I got a brand new sweetie, better than the one before. Oh, she's got everything and a little bit more. Hello and welcome to episode 166 of Additional History Headlines You Probably Missed. I'm Tiffany Clark, your host, and today's episode is a mini-episode. In the mini-episodes, instead of talking about one main event and telling you three other stories from that exact same day, I only pick one event. This is a story that I'm excited to tell you for multiple reasons. As a writer and a lover of mystery and history, this episode has all of my favorite things. Today's episode date is December 3rd, 1926. The day this event began, I guess you could say. But the news didn't reach the press until a couple of days later, so the earliest newspaper articles I could find were from December 6th. And trust me, once the news caught wind of what was going on, they went crazy and printed many, many, many articles for the readers who were just as fascinated with the story back then as I am with it now. I'm taking today's main headline from one of those newspapers, The Evening Standard out of London, England. The headline says, The Mystery of Mrs. Christie. Friends, this is the story of the disappearance of famous mystery writer Agatha Christie. Who doesn't love a good Agatha Christie novel or book or play? Am I right? I mean, even within the last couple of years, she's had multiple books turned into movies, or remakes of movies. And just a couple of months ago, I watched See How They Run, which includes Agatha as a character, and revolves around her famous play, The Mousetrap. And, speaking of The Mousetrap, did you know that it is the longest-running play in the entire world? The play debuted clear back in 1952 in London, starring Richard Attenborough and his wife, and it is still running today, 70 years later. But it's not just her plays that made Agatha Christie famous, of course. It was her novels, too. She also holds the record for the best-selling author of all time. There has literally been billions of her books sold. So when Agatha suddenly turned up missing in December of 1926, it was as if one of her books was suddenly coming true, and people watched as a real-life mystery unfolded before their very eyes in the newspapers. Just like with Agatha's mysteries, everybody was shocked with how the story ended. But before I get too far into her disappearance, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the great writer. She was born as Agatha Mary Clarissa Miller, in southwest England in 1890. She had two older siblings and was homeschooled by her mother. Her mother encouraged her to write and encouraged Agatha's love of fantasy and make-believe. When she was 16, Agatha moved to Paris to study music, specifically voice and piano. Then when she was 24 years old, in 1914, she married Colonel Archibald Christie. He was a pilot and World War I was raging around them. While he was flying for their country, Agatha took up nursing and worked in that capacity in the war. Then, in 1919, she gave birth to her only child, Rosalind. 
Agatha's life was busy and had taken a lot of turns here and there, but she still loved to imagine and make up stories and write. So, in 1920, she published her first novel, The Mysterious Affair at Styles, and it had probably her most famous character in it, Hercule Poirot. And yes, I'm aware I probably slaughtered the pronunciation of his name. The topic of how to say his name has even come up in movies, so I know I'm not alone. It's easier just to pronounce it how I want in my head when I'm reading one of her novels. Anyway, the book was a success, and she continued to write and publish and write and publish. Pretty soon, the years had passed, and she found herself to be a famous mystery writer. Life seemed great. That is, until the day her husband, Archibald, came to her and told her that he'd been having an affair. And as cliche as it is, the affair was with his secretary, Nancy Neal. The news was devastating to Agatha, and she struggled to wrap her head around it. Rosalind was just seven years old at the time, and Agatha didn't know what to do, or what the best course of action should be with her daughter in mind. And then, while dealing with the shock of all that, Agatha disappeared. She left a note saying that she was going to go for a drive, and the last time anyone saw her was at 9.45 p.m. on a Friday night. Now, it didn't seem strange to whoever it was that found the note, because Agatha liked to drive, and people often saw her driving around town. She was said to be a good driver. The people in her household who saw the note figured she'd be gone for a couple of hours, maybe the next morning, but she didn't come back, and didn't come back, and didn't come back, and the hours just ticked by. It's unclear whether anyone ever called the police about her absence, or whether it was the police that came to them first. You see, Agatha's car suddenly turned up. A boy found it near the edge of a chalk pit, and it looked as if it had been pushed down the hill without a driver. Luckily, the car ran into some bushes, and the bushes prevented it from going all the way down into the pit. The authorities knew it was Agatha's car, because a fur coat and some of her clothing was inside, along with her driver's license. But Agatha was not in the car, and there was no sign as to where she could have gone, or whether she was even the one that put the car there in the first place. Well, with the information they found in the car, the police drove out to Agatha's home to tell her husband and see if he had any explanation. Except Archibald wasn't there, and the police were told that he had gone away for the weekend. It all seemed a bit odd, and more than a bit suspicious. But I don't think anyone wanted to suspect Archibald of anything. After all, he was a decorated war hero, and just a few years earlier, he had gone on a world tour with the British Empire Exhibition. A large search effort got underway for Agatha, and at least a hundred police officers were called out to search for her, especially in the nearby woods. The problem was that the woods were very dense and hard to get through, and there was a thick mist, so thick that searchers could barely see the people standing next to them. When night fell, the search efforts were called off, and everyone headed back to the station. A roll call was taken, and come to find out, 
one of the men who had been on the search was now missing. They quickly hurried back to the woods and got there just as the man came stumbling out of the forest. He said he'd gotten disoriented when the sun set and couldn't find his way out. They worried that maybe the same fate had happened to Agatha. At least one of the newspapers I looked at showed pictures of the men out searching the tall grass, and even though there are a lot of them, it looks like miserable conditions. It would be very easy to miss a clue. The next thing the authorities tried was to drag several of the nearby ponds in case her body turned up in one of them. But, just like the woods, the foliage in the water was dense, and if there was something, or someone, rather, caught down there, they weren't going to find it. Meanwhile, Colonel Christie came back to town and headed straight for Scotland Yard, where he met with the detectives, but only for about ten minutes. He seemed to be just as baffled by his wife's disappearance as they were. Nobody knew where Agatha Christie was. The police released a description of how Agatha had looked the last time she was seen. She was described as five feet, seven inches, with gray eyes and reddish hair. She was 35 years old and wearing a gray skirt, a green jumper, a gray cardigan, a small green velour hat, and she was also wearing a platinum ring with a pearl in the center, but not a wedding ring. She was carrying a black handbag, but probably didn't have very much money in it. As you can probably imagine, when the news broke, the tips started pouring in. First, a brown leather glove was found not too far away from where Agatha's car was. Nobody knew for sure if it belonged to her, but it was taken in as evidence just in case. Then, someone gave police a tip that they saw a woman who seemed to be really agitated. She was near the Chilworth Powder Factory, which was a couple of miles from Agatha's car. Since a stream ran by the factory, the police hurried out there to walk up and down the banks and see if they could find anything. Again, they turned up empty-handed. By the end of the day on Monday, just a couple of days after she went missing, police were already coming to the conclusion that the only explanation was that she must have lost her memory somehow, or that she'd gone crazy. One of her friends, I think it was her personal secretary, told the police that Agatha had had a nervous breakdown earlier in the year. At the time, newspapers didn't mention it because it probably wasn't known yet. But I do wonder if the nervous breakdown coincided with Archibald's confession to her that he was having an affair with Nancy Nill. Archibald agreed with the police that his wife must have lost her mind. Then, on Tuesday, December 7th, newspapers reported that 300 men were currently searching for Agatha, and they had search dogs with them too. And at least one airplane was being used to search from the air, something that wasn't super common back then, I would assume, since that detail alone made front-page headlines. They also searched more and more water areas. Anything with water in a three-mile radius was searched. More and more tips came in, from all over the country, but the chief constable said he was convinced that the nearby woods would hold the clue to Agatha's disappearance, and he didn't put much faith in any of the other tips. But one tip that seemed to be credible was a man who came forward and said that just before dawn on Saturday morning, a woman had approached him and asked him to help start her car. 
something was a bit off about her. She wasn't wearing a hat, and her hair was covered in frost. It was just a few hours later that her car was found at the bottom of the hill. At one point, the searchers found a shaving tin under a tree near where Agatha's car was found. Inside was a note telling police to ask Cannell Lanch because she knew more about it than someone else. The police didn't release the final name in that note to the press, so the note didn't make much sense. And honestly, the police believed it to be a hoax anyway, and pretty much ignored it. Then, on Wednesday, May 8th, five days after Agatha Christie was last seen, newspapers reported that there had been a change in the investigation's focus. A very big clue had suddenly come to light that prompted the police to finally pull back many of the men who were still combing the woods for signs of Agatha. And Agatha's husband took off for London, supposedly for business, but there was more to it than that. You see, a letter arrived at Agatha's brother-in-law's home. It was from Agatha herself, and it had been posted in London at 9.45 on Saturday morning. Now, Agatha lived in the town of Sunningdale, and her estate was called the Stiles. Her car was found in Newlands Corner, about a dozen miles away. That meant that if the letter was posted in London, Agatha would have had to somehow travel 30 miles to the city without her car. It was a big clue, but nobody was quite sure what to do with it. Did Agatha post the letter herself, or did someone else do it on her behalf? The brother-in-law, Captain Christie, worked at the Royal Military Academy, and the letter was Agatha canceling plans to go to a spa in Yorkshire. I'm not sure if it was something that he had arranged for her, or if they were supposed to go together, or if Agatha's husband was supposed to go too. There really wasn't information given to the press on that part of the case. And speaking of Colonel Christie again, he was starting to get pretty frustrated with the situation. He was tired of being questioned and continued to assist that he had not spoken to his wife since she disappeared, and he had no idea where she went. When he was at home, he had to endure a constantly ringing phone from people saying that they had clues or tips. Most of them were fake, and he'd had more than one clairvoyant call and tell him that the only way Agatha would be found is if he held a seance. One thing that people kept harassing him about was where he was when Agatha disappeared. If you remember from the beginning, all I mentioned was that he'd gone away for the weekend. Nearly a week after his wife's disappearance, he still wouldn't reveal who he was with, saying only that he'd been staying with friends for the weekend. At the time, again, the press didn't know that he'd been having an affair, or I'm sure they would have accused him of spending the weekend with his mistress, Nancy Nill. And maybe that is where he was. Finally, on Friday, December 10th, a week after Agatha disappeared, the police announced that they were going to stop their search in the woods, something that they had continued to do for that entire week, even though not a single clue had turned up there. But like every day, more tips came in, and one of them seemed a little bit credible. An innkeeper in Yorkshire said that he was convinced Mrs. Christie had come to the inn with a friend on Monday, a few days earlier, and had tea. Then the pair left. You know the old saying that no press is bad press? 
Well, that is exactly what you could say about Agatha Christie. As soon as she disappeared and her case and her face were plastered on the front page of every newspaper in the area, even around the world, her book sales skyrocketed. Some places reported they were completely sold out of everything with her name on it. People flocked to get them and read them. And in at least one newspaper that I saw, right next to an article about the updates on the case, was an ad saying that they were going to start printing one of her mysteries, first published in 1923, in their Sunday newspaper. And the longer Agatha was gone, the more people started to comb through her novels looking for clues. They compared every aspect of her real-life case to the things she had written. Was she trying to act out one of her books? Was someone else trying to act out one of her stories and they had done something to her? One newspaper quoted a passage from her short story, The Disappearance of Mr. Davenheim. In that story, two detectives are having a conversation with each other, and they say, quote, Are disappearances classified and labeled then? But certainly they are. They fall into three categories. First and most common, the voluntary disappearance. Second, the much-abused loss-of-memory case. Are, but sometimes genuine. Third, murder, and a more or less successful disposal of the body. Do you refer to all three as impossible of execution? Very nearly so, I would think. You might lose your own memory, but someone would be sure to recognize you, especially in the case of a well-known man like Devenheim. Then bodies can be made to vanish into thin air. Sooner or later they turn up, concealed in lonely places, or in trunks. Murder will out. Was Agatha pretending to have memory loss like in her book? Or had someone murdered her and put her in a trunk? What had happened to Agatha? Anyway, the next clue that came out was a hotel that said a red car had shown up with a couple who asked for a room for the night. They asked the manager about a certain road leading toward northern England. Then they signed the guest book, and I guess the woman looked enough like Agatha, or the couple seemed suspicious enough, that the hotel decided to call the police. They came and examined the writing in the guest book where the couple had signed in to see if it matched Agatha's handwriting. When the police felt that they had exhausted all avenues, they called in another great mystery writer to help them search. Yes, they called Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Doyle was a bit of an occultist, and he took one of Agatha's gloves to a well-known medium, believing it would guide him to her. It didn't work. The clues came in, the police followed them, and they washed and repeated the next day. But nothing concrete was found. Then. Finally, the news the world had been waiting for broke on December 15th, 12 days after the great mystery writer disappeared. Agatha Christie had been found, and she was alive. But her mind was blank. At least that's the way one newspaper described it. Everyone wanted to print the story, but nobody knew quite what had really happened and what they should write. One version was that Colonel Christie and a detective found and confronted her in a Harrogate hotel. Harrogate is hundreds of miles north of where Agatha's home was. 
She was registered at the hotel as Mrs. Frazanel from Cape Town, South Africa. When she arrived there, the day after she went missing, she only had one suitcase with her, and she was traveling alone. As soon as she saw her husband, she recognized him and greeted him. A different story said that Colonel Christie had released a statement saying that his wife had experienced some sort of memory loss, and she did not recognize him when he arrived at the hotel. Those who worked at the hotel said there was nothing strange about the woman. She interacted with other guests and read the newspaper every day, meaning she had to have known the entire country was looking for her. She didn't just sit in her room. She read and she played pool and she even participated in dances at the hotel. And then one of the other guests noticed that she looked an awful lot like the missing mystery writer, and they called the police. Sure enough, it was her. Another version, and it's the version that I only see repeated in modern times, is that Agatha left home, crashed her car, got onto a train and headed for the hotel slash spa, and then registered under the name of Nancy Neal, her husband's mistress. That story is very popular. But since I didn't see it in any papers back in the 1920s, I don't know how much truth there is to it. Anyway, Agatha and Archibald left the hotel and tried their best to sneak away from the hordes of reporters that flocked after them. They even got a private train car in their name to go back to London, but then snuck onto a different train to try to trick the reporters. It didn't work that well, though, and they were still followed to a relative's home where they stayed behind locked doors. The mystery of where Agatha Christie had gone was finally solved. But there are parts of it that will always remain a mystery. Why did Agatha leave in the first place? Was she upset over her husband's cheating? Was she still upset over her mother's death earlier in the year? Was she suicidal? And did Agatha really lose her memory? Did she hit her head when crashing her car and develop temporary amnesia? only coming out of it when she saw her husband did she see herself did she see herself in the newspapers and not even realize it was her own face staring back or was the great mystery writer a fake did agatha christie claim memory loss to cover up the real reason why she fled those answers never really came because agatha refused to talk about the incident again and pretty much led her life as if none of it had ever happened. At the time it was going on, I don't think her daughter, Rosalind, was even aware that the world was looking for her mother. Well, Agatha decided that she had had enough of her husband's unfaithfulness, and in 1928, the couple officially divorced. Archibald married his mistress, and Agatha eventually married an archaeologist named Max Mallowan, who was quite a bit younger than her. They were happy together, and Agatha continued to write and publish, and lived to be 85 years old. She passed away on January 12, 1976, 46 years ago last week. Friends, I had a lot of fun with this episode, and I hope you had fun listening to the twists and turns surrounding the disappearance of one of the best mystery writers of all time. But before I end, I want to share what Agatha wrote in the dedication of her book, The Secret Adversary, in 1922, a few years before she disappeared. 
she dedicated it to, quote, all those who lead monotonous lives in the hope that they may experience at second hand the delights and danger of adventure. Maybe Agatha really did just want to experience the things her characters experienced. Join me this coming Monday for an all-new full-size episode from a famous date that happened not too long after Agatha Christie disappeared. Talk to you later.